Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. This podcast is a bar crawl around America to find out what real people around the country are saying about hot political issues and culture. I'm David Kochel, longtime political consultant and veteran of six presidential campaigns. And I'm Rob Stutzman, political consultant based in California, once worked for a governor named Schwarzenegger. But more than that, Kochel and I are best friends and have drank together in a lot of bars across this glorious country. More than I can count. That's right, Rob. Each week, we'll interview a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons, and therefore, the pulse of America, real America. When Kochel and I fly into a city to work, and we want to know what's on people's minds about politics, culture, and pocketbooks, we do the only sensible thing and find a bartender. And to kick things off, we'll find out what drink the locals are ordering, get the recipe, and knock back a few while we chat with our guest. You can find the recipe for each week's cocktail in the show notes. And I can tell you, some of these will be amazing. If you decide to make this week's signature cocktail at home, please share a pic on Instagram or tweet about it with the hashtag HighballPodcast. And if you're a bartender or you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at HighballPolitics at gmail.com with the name of the bartender in the bar and why they'd be perfect for our show. Today, we're talking with Jared Ryder, who bartends at Burse in Los Angeles, California, right outside the gates of Universal Studios. But before we talk with Jared, let's get a bit of context of what's going on in the news and why L.A. right now is important to what's going on in America. So, Kacha, this will be interesting and rather timely. The Writers Guild of America has now gone on strike in uh, the latest chapter of the disruption that's going on in the entertainment industry. We're talking with a bartender today whose bar literally is sitting in the middle of this industry, right there on uh, Lankersham and North Hollywood, right outside the gates of Universal, as you indicated, Warner Brothers down the street, Paramount also nearby. I mean, this is really what people do in this part of California in San Fernando Valley. It's where the worker bees really are that keep production going. We'll get to some politics, I think, but it's really going to be interesting to hear firsthand what's happening with this disruption right there in that community. Well, it's hard to keep politics too far away from labor and the entertainment community. I mean, obviously, a lot of politically engaged people and, you know, unions and strikes are uh, often big political issues. Also looking forward to the cocktail talk because in spite of the bad news in entertainment this week, this place has a spectacular cocktail list and a wine list and does L.A. proud. I can't wait to get into it. I've been over the website. It looks fantastic. All right, let's get to it. So welcome to Highball Politics to Jared Ryder from Verse LA, right there in North Hollywood in the heart of the entertainment capital of the world. Jared, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little about Verse. I mean, it's right there on Lankersham. You're across the LA River at the gates of Universal Studios. I mean, what's it like slinging drinks in Tinseltown? We sure are. Honestly, it's quite a blessing. It's very unique place. The owner happens to be a 17-time Grammy award-winning sound engineer that built the place as a recording studio with the same equipment and technology that go into like some of the, you know, the best mixed songs you hear today with just a restaurant inside it. We get all sorts all across the San Fernando Valley coming in for dates as well as, you know, some celebrities, quite a few actually. You know, the who's who of Hollywood definitely shows up because we are kind of in the middle of Hollywood. 
it's kind of funny, Toluca Lake and Universal Studios end up being the center of Hollywood when you really get down to the nitty gritty. For people's orientations, for those of us that aren't the Californians, the point you're making is like where you see the Hollywood sign isn't the real working Hollywood as much as the studios where where, where Universal is and Toluca and all that. Warner Brothers just up the street from you, that type of thing. Yeah, very much so. Warner Brothers, Universal Studios, Paramount across the hill. You got Disney over here as well. And like I said, a bunch of, you know, recording studios as well. Music capital as well. So Jared, let's get into, you know, the bar scene there a little bit. First of all, I was on the website. We haven't really seen a 46-page wine list yet on this show. (laughs) We've done some beer halls. We've done you know, all kinds of places. We've had some great mixologists on. I do think this is going to be a lot of fun for us to get into what you've got on your menu. Bunch of mezcal. I mean, very creative cocktail list. Tell us a little bit, though, about the atmosphere. Obviously, you've got people coming through that might be household names, maybe just working people in the industry in the background. But, you know, price point and just give us a seat. Yeah, for sure. So imagine a speakeasy vibe that you could drive right past about a block north of a BMW dealership and a block south of a 99 cent store. You'd never know it's there, if I'm being honest. And you walk in and it's like, you know, 1920s style Guatemalan. It's amazing. It's it's very Latino inspired, but uh, you walk in, it's got a little bit of a darker vibe. Leaning into the music side of it is music heavy. It is a recording studio. You're going to see microphones hanging across the ceiling. You're going to see speakers in the wall and in the wood in the ceiling. Everything in the place is built to be able to absorb sound better. It's quite unique. So are you still actively recording music we on do. the property? Daytime, you're maybe laying down tracks, and at nighttime, you're slinging cock. Actually, we do uh, during service. The place is built, like I said, so it is a recording studio. So all the walls are studio-grade sound paneling. We're the only place in the world to have printed on it. We've got about 52 speakers hidden throughout the room, as well as 28 microphones hanging across the ceiling. They level the acoustics live during each performance. So if you're sitting at a table, one of those speakers kind of acts as a sound zone, right? So the people around you are going to start to fade out. You're not going to hear the clinking of silverware. You're going to be able to talk normally. You aren't going to be yelling. And like I said, we do record our musicians live every night, as well as we have special residencies with like Ozo Motley, Robin Thicke, Sabrina Claudio, Gabby Moreno, some some amazing, you know, Grammy winners. You never know who's going to pop in. That's the great thing about hanging out in that neck of the woods. You never know who's coming through the door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've served Charlie Puth. I've served Stevie Wonder. Like, you never know. One of the things we like to do towards the top of this show is get from the bartender a signature cocktail that you want to tell us about that's available there at Burst. What do you have for us? Of course. I'm going to go straight in. It's called the Malamente. I'm pretty sure it's based off of a Sabrina Claudio uh, song called Malamente as well. It is a hibiscus-infused tequila. We steep the uh, tequila and hibiscus for about 24 hours. Then we have a vanilla bean and baharat simple syrup we make ourselves with a little bit of a chipotle tincture. So it's going to be a little bit of Everclear. I know, scary word, Everclear, but it absorbs chipotle <laughs> pepper very well. So we use like for 32 ounce batch of this uh, tequila mixture we're making, it's less than half an ounce of this yeah. chipotle tincture because it's very, very hot. Add some lime in there, shake it up. It's kind of our take on a margarita, but it's very, very fancy. Hibiscus vanilla front with a spicy back. Oh, you get that vanilla garlic. I can see Cacho licking his lips. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to try to make this one because I've skipped a couple here on the show, but I'm going to need to go for this. Oh, hell I'm not. I'm not sure how I'm going to do on the tincture. But, you know, I mean, once I look it up. We can make some. 
Yeah, some, get, just get some dried chili peppers, throw some Everclear in there, let it sit for about 24 hours. Same with the tequila, it's hibiscus leaves. We use Patron at Verse, but you can use pretty much anything you want, anything you have available. Let it steep for, you know, 24 to 48 hours. It comes this really deep, dark red color. It's fantastic. So you see you've got a little bit of a Latin flair. There's a ton of mezcal on the menu, which, yes. which I'm a big fan of. I love that smoky flavor there's just some great stuff on here and then the wine list is quite something too yeah so expensive and it's international it's terrific so if i can touch on the wine list for two seconds we're actually very very lucky so manny marroquin he's the owner of this place his son matthias just turned 22 actually he just became a level two sommelier. He was the youngest level two in the country because he got it right before his 22nd birthday. And he handles the entirety of our wine list. And he's pretty much the resident sommelier and he's killing it. It looks like a fantastic wine list. You're covering it all. It is very international. Yeah, there's just some fun stuff on there, really off the beaten path. Yeah, thank you. He's killing a very extensive knowledge as well. And if, you know, you guys drop in, he can talk your ear off. Like most bartenders, I wish I knew more about wine, but you know, I can talk about our by the glasses all day. <laughs> That's about it. I apologize. Yeah. You got a stom on site. You're fine. So a little bit about your patrons. You've already said, you know, you got a creative community around you. I'm guessing any given night in there when you've got, you know, someone up performing, maybe a third of the crowd are also songwriters or somehow yeah. attached to the music business or I would, we also talk in actors and everything and producers is, and showrunners and all that I would say everything in all honesty on an average day it's about 70% industry across music and entertainment 30% just uh, you know people on dates from all across the San Fernando Valley and LA it's very heavy in the creative industry though it is the place to go currently especially with some soundproofing you can't you know hear every conversation which is pretty cool you're right there by the Sumi Studios I would assume you get some yeah. I have Disney executives in there every other week. We have, you know, some incredible people from Warner Brothers as well pop in. And like I said, music industry, we get actors all the time. It's the place to be. So obviously this industry has been rocked this week with the Writers Guild strike, which in some ways is just a manifestation of the tumult in the industry of what's happened, you know, with streaming, how the companies are failing and that we all expect there to be less content coming, right? It's just this time of real shifting sands and disruption in the entertainment industry. And we kind of lose sight of the fact that this is a lot of just working class people that are behind all the jobs that make the movie stars famous. So, you know, leading up to just the last couple of weeks with this being imminent, has it been a topic or what's the vibe been? Has it been different knowing what this industry is going through? It has been. I think it affects a lot of LA just across the board because, I mean, it doesn't just affect writers, right? It's a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, it affects everybody from your writers to or your waiters, literally. Yeah. People aren't going to go out. Yeah, your grips, your lighting guys, literally everything. The lucky thing is that if it's been written, it will likely be shot. A lot of studios tend to have a backlog of you know, scripts and content that they can work on for a little bit of time, but you're going to start to see, especially, you know, the longer it goes on, the more your content's going to dry up. I think, you know, soap operas fall under a different contract, so that's not going to 
you know, you're not going to miss your young and the restless. I'll put it that way. I heard, I heard there's a theory that chat GPT could uh, create the scripts for the soaps during the day. That's a real uh, thing. It is. And it's actually one of the notes that the Writers Guild brought up. I was very interested because it directly affects me as well. Like it's directed our covers at Verse, you know, how many auditions I've gone on. I'm an actor and uh, I was going out three times a week and a month ago it just stopped dead, which is crazy. They literally said in their proposals that they wanted to regulate the use of AI on Writers Guild projects and that AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material, and can't be used to train AI. And the Producers Association rejected the proposal and countered by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology, which is like, well, it's kind of happening now, right? Yeah. Which is partially why they're on strike. I've kind of listened to a few people in the industry talk about this. Rob Long has a good podcast. He was a showrunner at Cheers who writes for National Review. He's of the mind that chat GPT and, and AI are a long ways from being able to do comedy and the kind of content that we're sort of most used to. But daytime stuff, you know, it's not really about the content. It's all the same sort of stories just recirculating and it's really actor driven. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that kind of, but it is obviously that's a different entity that makes yeah. those projects. But I, um, I think it's a long way off, going. but you know, funny enough, this is why you need writers. The writers for soap operas in particular, they're written in such a way that they're easily translatable to the top languages that they sell in. You know, I don't know if an AI could do that or not, but it could definitely, you know, be source material for ARCs, maybe. I don't know. Also, you're saying there's no originality in daytime TV? I, I mean, I haven't probably watched a daytime TV show since I was in college. Yeah, good. Uh, Luke and Laura yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think exactly. you're worried about the late night. Hey, they just said that they finished writing it. You're not going to miss your House of Dragons Game of Thrones spinoff. I think you'll be fine. There you go. So what else are people talking about? I mean, obviously, the strike is kind of the big thing. You got a lot going on in the media. You got Trump going on CNN next week. Any politics getting discussed in the Yeah, I mean, bar? versus a unique place in that it's got all sorts of people coming in. It's got the big wigs. It's also got, you know, the family on, you know, their one date night and they spent everything they could on a, a babysitter coming in, right? So they can have an experience in LA. And we try to keep that in mind as well. But as far as like the presidential campaign, I think that most people are pretty hush-hush at first just because we got both sides of the fence. But we also are able to appeal to both sides of the fence, which is very, very lucky. But uh, homelessness is a big topic. Yeah, homelessness is a big topic. Like I said, there's a lot of crime in LA right now, which is not super easy. And especially when and, you know, you're walking into an area, into a bar that you don't know where it's at. Like I said, there's a 99 cent store block north. There's a BMW dealership. We get people all the time that comment on, you know, God, I couldn't even find the place. I don't know where I was at. I was, you know, but at the same time, it's such on the border of Toluca Lake, which is such a beautiful area with a lot of security. And it's odd to kind of see both sides of that. Yeah. So when you talk about homelessness, somebody kind of brings up a topic like that. Who are they blaming for things going wrong and for these open-air drug markets. Is that the mayor? Is that the governor? Is it the city council? Are they talking more about policing, that sort of thing? Like, how do those conversations go? It's tough because I think that it's too big of a problem that one person can solve currently, right? And I think most people recognize that, especially at my bar. But, you know, a lot of people look to the mayor to make direct decisions. A lot of people want you know, the governor's support. In my personal opinion, I think it feels like the conversation is that nobody knows at all how to tackle it. And that's 
the biggest issue, I think, is like, okay, well, how do we create something new or something different that can handle a situation that is, you know, out of control or you get, you know, there's a way to help veterans. There's a way to help people that are addicted to drugs. It's like, okay, well, how do you fix the regulations that are keeping them in and out of these, you know, temporary homes, et cetera, that let them find a way to be helped? You have a new mayor, Karen Bass, was elected last year, beat well-known businessman in the area, Rick Caruso, who built some of the people's favorite retail experiences there in Southern yeah. California. Highly contentious race. Mass comes away as the victor, but homelessness was a big issue. It was. It was, a, it was a big deal. And she's coming out fairly, I, I think, you know, hawkish, we would say, on homelessness. I think she has, mm-hmm. she has to move the needle. But, I mean, any sense of all that, you know, fresh approach to this, new mayor might make some headway or are you saying to us people just really think it's it's unsolvable it's not that it's unsolvable i think karen bass in particular the word on the street from my perspective is that she wanted to extend and work on already in place programs right but i don't know if that's going to solve any issues right and a lot of people looked at caruso because he was like well i'm going to approach it differently you know and you can still drive around la see a lot of caruso signs but it's like okay well do i want to take you know this seasoned politician with karen bass do i want to take you know the traffic getting stuck at the grove <laughs> you know people look at it that way sometimes which is it's interesting it's uh it's a tough thing the grove being the really beautiful outdoor ball connected to the farmer's market that's a caruso developed Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful front, but who knows what's going on behind the scenes, right? So sticking with politics just a little bit, any famous politicians come through verse ever? Have you ever had any political regulars? Funny enough, one of our biggest supporters was Garcetti. Eric Garcetti came in all the time. He just got assigned to the ambassador of India. India, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is the immediate immediate past mayor for them. Yeah. Yeah. This is incredible. I, you know, I've been lucky enough to met a couple of mayors. I knew the late Richard Reardon. He signed me a book and he watched one of the shows I was on. He was a very good guy. But uh, Garcetti, yeah, came in all the time. And uh, it was funny, the last dinner he had with his family and his crew, he came into verse and spent it in there with us, which we were very grateful for. And he's been a huge supporter of us. So we try to try to pay that forward. That's great. So I, you know, I'm a kind of a cynic. I listen to, you know, left-wing podcasts and right-wing podcasts. I watched some Fox, I watch some CNN and MSNBC. I try to take in all kinds of political viewpoints. Rob and I you know, need to kind of be able to speak all the languages and politics, which is what we do. And you know, recently you had the Biden administration saying they're going to send 1,500 troops to the border in Texas. Now, in 2018, when Trump did the same thing, Kamala Harris, you know, in the Senate went nuts over it and we're going to militarize the border and all of this. And, you know, the kind of more progressive media made a big deal out of it. And now you got people basically, well, Biden's just going to solve the problem. It's going to be great. And I wonder, like, for people who are really media aware, like the people you work around, do you see any kind of hypocrisy in that where you like everybody just hated Trump for doing this thing that now Biden is getting rid of Title 42. So that's going to potentially draw a big flux to the border. Most of that appears to be happening in Texas. I don't know if it's affecting either in Southern California. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because it just, it drives me crazy to see this stuff going on when you got both sides just look at something completely I, I, in a different way. 
Yeah, I think LA again. It's a, it's a unique place, right? It's like its own little tiny bubble of a world. I think that most of the stuff that's happening in Texas isn't affecting us, but but that's particularly because of the type of work that a lot of immigrants do, especially in LA, especially in restaurants, right? Hard labor, you know, landscape architects, stuff like that. It's just right. A really different ethic in LA around immigration yeah. because you just you're very reliant on to an extent. Right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, I would say very culturally integrated as well. It's interesting, some of the history on this long before you, Jared, back in the mid-90s, when immigration really blew up in California in 1994, the infamous Prop 187 ballot measure, which passed, which was aimed at not providing services to undocumented immigrants. A lot of it was struck down by the courts. But that really set this tone for the next couple of decades in California politics around immigration. You know, my observation is we're beyond that in California now. I don't, you know, there's not a sense that immigrants are taking services. I think it's more of a sense they're contributing to the economy. When there's an undocumented immigrant that commits a crime, that obviously gets highlighted and there's mixed feelings about that. But I don't know, Jerry, you're, you know, as a younger guy there in LA, is illegal immigration really even, you feel like, on the radar of a lot of people in the bar? We're all aware of it, but nobody actually talks about it because who wants to deal with those sort of, you know, issues, I think. And that's part of the problem is an education, right? I don't think that a lot of people know enough about it. I also don't think people know enough about, like, the regulations that could help, you know, solve any of these issues. And again, like, who wants to go pick apples for, you know... 12 hours in the blazing sun as, you know, a yeah. young, privileged white bartender or whatever else, you know, it's, it's tough. <laughs> well, and of course, cable news drives so much of the conversation in the country, even though only a couple of million people are watching at any given time. But like, you know, 60, 70% of what you see on Fox News right now is probably all going on in El Paso as, you know, these migrants are coming across and, you know, nobody knows kind of what to do with them. Well, but, and talk about like big media shakeup, Fox Tucker. News, yeah, Tucker, yeah. Tucker Carlson at NBC, the CEO. Of NBC Universal just kind of let go or stepped down, I should say. Yeah. Don Lemon. It's crazy because we have the writer strike happening at the same time that these three media giants get shaken up. And then SAG After and the DGA have their talks on June 7th, could be possibly striking on June 30th. It's like literally nobody knows what the future of the entertainment industry is at this very moment in time, which I think is super interesting. When you think about the writing that's out there, like what you said, there's a lag time between when it actually starts showing up in the industry and people kind of don't have jobs. What's that lag time? Is that six months? Is that a year? Is it less than that? My personal guess would be about two months, right? My girlfriend's a trailer editor. She works in post-production. And a lot of that stuff isn't going to affect her until the studios run out of content that they have already shot. And I think that's about... I mean, every day it costs everybody a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be about two months before some real, real issues starts to show up, like people start getting, you know, furloughed from post houses, things like that. Yeah, there's a human toll to this is rural working class. The stars will still stay rich. The producers will stay rich through all this. But as is the case with many of these industries, when they hit this disruption, as people that need that daily paycheck, they're going to suffer. Yeah. Well, Fox it's, can pay $800 million to not go to court. <laughs> I think they could pay their writers a little more, maybe. Most likely true. We go with this fun segment here. Well, at least we think it's fun. If nothing else, Jared, David, and I have <laughs> on this podcast. But we like to move on to this segment on cocktails. So California entertainment industry has given California some of its most famous politicians. 
an actor named Ronald Reagan went on to be president. And of course, my old boss, Arnold Schwarzenegger, goes on to be governor and a constitution prevented him from becoming a president. At least that's our story <laughs> that we're sticking to. So we go to this segment where it's the cocktails that are fictional, although we've had some ones that are probably worth making. And we want to name them after famous politicians in the state. So to you, we've given you the assignment, give us a Schwarzenegger and then one for our current governor who has the movie Star Looks, which is Governor Gavin Hey, I've got two locked and loaded for you. Um, for Schwarzenegger, I would go with the Mezcal Negroni. It's a very hot topic of Mezcal, right? We were talking about earlier. Love it. But Love it's it. very strong. It's very bold flavors. It's got a very smoky forward taste, known for his cigars, I think, Schwarzenegger yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you can get a bit of both worlds in there with a little bit of an orange peel citrus twist on there. Get a little bit of the juice. You would say that is fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. We'll make that for you at Verse any day. We sell a lot of mezcal on the groundies, but uh, I think that suits him well. I love it. All right. We got to produce them. I'm going to go with a Chopin Dirty Martini. You know, <laughs> so, you know Chopin Potato Vodka. My state for LA, of course, just in case you never know. And a dirty martini, you either love it or you hate it. I think that speaks volumes. Personally, my dirty martini is going to be three ounces of the Chopin potato vodka. I'm going to do a half ounce of uh, olive juice, shake the hell out of it, strain into a martini glass three olives. I like to be a little bit indulgent, especially with Newsom, right? And as long as it's cold, it's good. Are those olives stuffed with a little feta cheese, maybe? <laughs> you can, you can. <laughs> I like a classic olive, personally. Not a big martini fan. Take that as you will. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Well, Jared, this has been fun. It's good to hear about the industry and kind of what you guys are doing and what, what you're going to be going through. We hope it resolves quickly because obviously, you know, these are important jobs for people out there in the biz this is our second pod hitting you know the la area but you know there's obviously got so many different cultures there we interviewed a guy from a cop bar in long beach totally different vibe at that yeah. than what you've got going on there so thanks for telling us about verse and thanks yeah. for coming on the pod well thank you guys for having me and you know if you ever come in we'll take care of you honestly we appreciate the conversation i'll count on it i'll be in <laughs> oh we will we will we'll take care of you and we hope that it resolves too because you know the writer's strike and politics, it directly affects how many covers we get, especially in the area that we're in. So, Jared, you've got a little side hustle as a photographer. Why don't you go ahead and plug your socials so that any listeners we have that are around L.A. or just want to look up some of your work can see it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Again, I'm an actor and I'm a photographer. If you want to look at any of my socials, it's at writer Jared, R-I-D-E-R-J-R-E-D. And my website's Jared Writer Photography. I became a Getty contributor in 2020 and just been side hustling sense. Almost everybody at Verse, we're very lucky, is creative in some sense. Multiple gigs. We got some writers, we got some singers, we've got some models, everything. Slightly throw the model thing in there at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, whatever. Models, there's plenty of them. There's some actors too, so you'll get all sorts. Next time Rob and I are in LA, we'll definitely be stopping by Jared. Sample not only the mixology, but we'll get some of the tunes and just check out the vibe. Sounds like oh, a great man. place. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. We'd love to have Thanks for joining us, Jared. We really hope this strike resolves soon. It's a lot of people's livelihoods on the line. I know it affects yours. We're hoping for the best. Appreciate it. (laughs) 
So Rob, through your association with Governor Schwarzenegger, you've been around a lot of people in the entertainment industry. And I actually, full disclosure, we've both done a little work for Rick Caruso in the past, you know, so we kind of know the community a little bit there, but you in particular have spent time around these folks and have seen sort of the back end of the business. I think it was a great week to have Jared on because of the strike and what it could mean. So what did you take away from the episode? Yeah, we were really fortunate to have him this week and pay us a picture of what's going on there. And we talked about it with him. It's just people lose sight of, or it's not clear view to them, how many just working class, middle class people rely upon this industry and how disruptive not just the strike is, but as I'd indicated, the disruption that's going on throughout the industry in total. This, you know, also interrupts a lot of production in, in New York City. That might be something to lean into if this prolongs as well. I also like, you know, you indicated, you know, reminded people, Dave, this is our second Southern Cal visit. We also did Long Beach with more conservative bar, cop bar. It's just a reminder, man. Southern California is as big as a lot of states and as diverse as most. And there's just a lot of different things going on depending on where you're out in the Southland. I also thought it was interesting for everyone that thinks Hollywood is so liberal. I didn't get that sense from him. He talked about appealing to both sides and just a good reminder, those carpenters building sets and those gaffers and stuntmen, there's still a, you know, a bit of blue collar there in the San Fernando Valley, even though they certainly elect Democrats, but it's got a little bit more of that working class middle of the road vibe. Also, you know, you talk about Mayor Bass and, you know, obviously she runs as a much more progressive political figure, but she's very much cross pressured by the need to have law and order and, and clean up the crime and drug scenes and homelessness. So there's you know, there's some pressure on her to kind of lean into public safety. Some, like you said, she's going to be a little bit more of a homelessness hawk. For as progressive maybe as she might have portrayed herself during the campaign, she's going to have to do a lot of work to really try to push back against what's going on in a few places in the city that are just, you know, that are just not healthy right now. Yeah, it's worse in Southern Cal than anywhere in America. Both of our Southern Cal episodes in Long Beach and here in North Hollywood, which are probably 20 miles from each other, mm -hmm. homelessness, number one issue in both mm -hmm. communities. And it's just pervasive in these uh, areas throughout California. And in verse, nobody talking about or caring about the presidential election, which is taking up a whole bunch of oxygen in our world. That didn't surprise me. We've seen that other places as well. Yeah, it's a good reminder there's another world out there beyond cable news. All right, Rob, that's it for this episode. Coming from Verse LA, thank you for giving highball politics a shot, pun intended. Join us next week as we pull up a bar stool in another politically, cultural, and important state and city in this great country, and we'll break it down with that bartender about what the locals are drinking, saying, and what's on their minds when it comes to politicians. Until then, Cotchell, cheers. Go Dodgers. Cheers, Rob. Go Dodgers. Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media, Executive producers are David Kochel and me, Rob Stutzman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. And find us on social media. We're at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your pics of this week's with the hashtag Highball Podcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.